today we want to talk about supernatural power of love or in love. Same thing, supernatural power. Uh, let's pray first before we get started. Heavenly Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you use this mouth of clay to express your heart. And I pray that we're going to walk out of here, transform and change. We didn't come here to waste time. We didn't come here to do any religious rigmarole. We come here to have an encounter with you. Lord, I thank you that the people have been healed this morning. I thank you that, Lord, the people have been touched by your presence. And I pray for more, for more, even as we come to your presence to worship you and sit at your feet as Mary did. Holy Spirit, use this mouth of clay. In Jesus' name, we all believe and say, amen. amen. So we're going to continue on the series called uh, The Supernatural Power of Love. I started last week and you can just throw up the script, scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. The Bible says, now faith, abide faith, hope, love, these three, and the greater of all this is love. Love is very powerful. I started talking about it last week. And the goal that we have is really the agape love. In fact, really, it's not even agape love. It's beyond agape love. I talk about the agape beyond last week. You know, we just, because agape was invented uh, when Jesus was not on earth yet. And so, so the, the, the scholar that had translated into, uh, the, 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 the original script, Greek, that, that, that's the best way that they could, the best word they could use to express the love of God, agape. But you know, God's love is a lot further, a lot deeper, and watch this, a lot more powerful than agape. But we're going to get to that. But you know, we started last week saying that in the Greek, in the Greek language, and I know there's a, quite a number of Greeks here, so you know, just, just bear with me. If I'm speaking broken Greek, you know, I speak broken English too. So anyway, so, you know, if I speak broken Greek, if you can, you can forgive me of that, you know. But, you know, in the Greek language, um, there are eight different expressions of love. Not four, because most Christian think it's four. But four is the, one, uh, the ones that are mentioned in the Bible. But there are eight different expressions of love. Why do we want to talk about Greek? Why is it so important? Because it is the, it is the uh, language that's used um, with the manuscript that is closest to the time of Jesus. So the manuscript, there's a lot of manuscripts since Jesus uh, had ascended to heaven till now. You know, there are different manuscripts, you know, of all the scriptures that we have. And, and the one that is oldest and closest to the time of Jesus. Uh, and, and the disciples and the apostles were the manuscript that written or translated in Greek. And that's why it's really powerful. And so in the Greek language, which is a lot more sophisticated than English language, there is different expression of love. But, you know, in English language, we just have the word love. But it's, it represents actually eight expression of the Greek language. We started talking about the first two. And the reason we want to know all of them is because to understand really, and you'll see later on, to understand truly agape love, you really need to understand what are the other loves. Because a lot of Christians are really confused, including Peter, I'll show you, that really confused about the difference between agape love and other love. So we're going to talk about it. And so last week we started talking about a two love. I don't have time to go through it. I have to fly through this because I want to talk about four or five kind of different loves. And then next week when you come, we're going to conclude. I'm going to show you the agape love. And you know, agape love is very powerful. Now, all the love that I'm going to show you are very powerful. It has its own power. For example, last week we talked about Eros. We know that Eros, if you study the history, has the power to change the destiny of nations. 
and civilization had been changed because of Eros. And you, you say, how is that? Go, 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 go watch that, okay, on, on, the, on the, our, our uh, YouTube channel. But, you know, but every love has its, had incredible power behind it. Then the supernatural love, of course, that's where we want to go. That's our destiny. I will show you the amazing power behind it. One of them is, <clears throat> I'm just going to let the cat out of the back a little bit about what we're going to talk about next week. Is that One of them is, is, is this scripture. This scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's talking about love. But most people kind of separate and isolate these chapters by itself as a chapter of its own when it is not. You see, Paul, you know, in the original manuscripts, you want to know is that the Bible doesn't have verses and chapters. It's just one big letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, right? 1 Corinthians is just one big letter. And in his discussion, he was actually talking about the gift of the Spirit. You know, two weeks ago I said that, you know, we saw amazing flow of the gifts of spirits on Saturday, you know, and the prophecy healing was flowing, you know, and, you know, Paul the Apostle said to them, you know, covered, covered these gifts. You ought to cover them if you want to operate in them. And then he went on and said, but I'm going to show you a better way to operate in the gifts. And he went on to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He talks about love. He said the better way to operate and flow in the gifts is to flow in love. Not just any love, but the agape love which we're going to talk about. And, the, you know, a lot of people have a lot of knowledge about the gifts of the Spirit, you know, prophecy, healing, and this sort of different things, you know, gifts of faith, different gifts, you know, and yet they don't know how to operate in those gifts. They know that they have, they, they may have even the ability to prophesy, but they feel like they're not operating fully in that gift. And the reason is not because they lack of knowledge. The reason is because they lack love. If you want to operate freely in the supernatural gifts of God, you need love. And not just any love, but agape love. We'll get to that next week. So that's one of the power of love. But now let's continue on in our, in our in the discussion on love. Okay, now this week we're going to talk about the third kind of love that is expressed in, in the Greek. It's called storge. I don't know whether I'm pronouncing it correctly. And it's, it's spelled S-T-O-R-G-E. Storage is primarily a family love, a love between mother and child or father and child and love between siblings, you know. It's a natural form of affection that often flows between, you know, family members, you know, parents to children, children to parents, you know. Storage love can be found among childhood friends too sometimes, you know, and it can be found or should be found, should I say, among brothers and sisters. I'm going to get to that later on, you know. Um, uh, this kind of love is very powerful. If you were to ask sociologists and psychologists, they'll tell you that, that storage is the kind of love that would make children feel absolutely secure and loved, which helps the neurological development. So if your kids, you know, some of your parents with young children, they're not doing so well in school, you're going to have the love on them. Don't scold them. Don't whip them, you know. Like, you know, I was going to say about my culture, but I'm not going to tell you anything about it, you know. But, you know, uh, uh, you know, sometimes we use fear. We use force, you know, trying to help develop our kids. But instead, I want to encourage you to use love, the kind of love that would pour over your children, and they will be able to develop properly, neurologically, neurologically. You know, it can help them overcome difficulties in life with the eating habits if they have bad eating habits bad sleeping habits and a problem with learning a problem with behavior you know if you have that kind of uh, kind of love that motherly love or the fatherly love fatherly love it will make it easier for your family to solve problems and resolve conflicts a lot of parents confuse spoiling the kids with love like this with storage because they think because they're so busy I'm not trying to judge anybody please I'm not trying to condemn anyone but I just want to tell you the reality is that a lot of times we're so busy they'll both 
parents have jobs, they have to go work, and, and so they're so busy, they don't have time for kids, and so they thought, you know, because to, to assuage the guilt or whatever, they, have, they, they, they would spoil their kids, you know, buy expensive stuff for them, you know, take them to expensive trips once a year. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's actually very good. But the fact of the matter is that you cannot substitute storage with material things. Can I hear an amen? Come on, somebody's clapping, right? If you find your children are not really behaving the way that they behave, it's, start to pour, it's time to start pouring love like you never know before over their lives. Just pour love. If you feel like your child has some sort of mental disability, I'm, I'm believing for mental illness healing in this season. But I'll tell you this, if you love on your child, how do you love on your child? Just, you know, kissing, whatever. No, it's more than that. It's to speak life to them, to tell them how amazing they are. One day they'll come back to, from school and they've been discouraged. It is your job to lift them up. But you will never know if you're not there that they have faced hardship, bully, whatever. I'm not trying to put guilt on us, but I want to tell you this. You can never replace storage with anything but your time, your words, your affection to your children. It will change the world. And watch this. I help them to develop relationship better, meaningful, deep relationship in their lives. So I want to encourage you, for many of us, we come from backgrounds that we didn't have that. But God is going to restore that for you in Jesus' name. He's going to restore that and bring it to you so that you can bring it to the next generation. Whatever struggle that you have up to now, in Jesus' name, we just cut them off. And we declare that from you onwards, it's going to be great. Because you know how to pour your love out as God pours his love out to you. The next one is Ludus. Ludus is a playful love. It's the kind of love that, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a bit childish. It's a bit innocent. In other words, you keep your relationship. It, it actually usually talks about husband and wife. You keep your relationship innocent. It's that there is always a, it's, it's a, it's a marvel for you. You know, it doesn't matter if you've been married for one year, two years, ten years, you know. It's always just keep that excitement, that keep that, that innocence, you know. Just, 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 just be, don't be so serious, in other words. Don't, don't be like, oh, just serious and all business, you know. Uh, but in family relationship, even with your children, that kind of playful love is very important. I was joking with the first congregation, I said, you, I would never let you see a part of my life in my home with my family because you will laugh and I'll be totally embarrassed because I act like a kid, you know, and I just, and my children loves it, you know, I just play with them, I just, just always very playful and I'm just not so serious, I mean, if they, you know, if they do, you know, they, they say, there's something that, you know, real, you know, like burn my house down, whatever, then I'll be serious, right, but you know, at the end of the day, it's just always very, very, keep the innocence going, you always need to keep that innocence in your relationship you know that will keep excitement both between husband and wife and also between children and parents you know and it gives great hope in relationship because that's this amazing innocence this next one is actually quite negative it's called mania it's it, mania 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 i don't know how to pronounce it uh that's where the word mania comes from you know and this is a negative kind of love you can even call it a love but the greek expresses it as love it's actually obsessive love it's a dangerous kind of love mania love is a type of love that leads a, a partner into a type of madness and obsessiveness you see this person wants to love and be loved why? Because to find a sense, watch this, of self-value. In other words, if somebody comes into your life, you're going dating with somebody, 
and somebody comes to you and say, oh, you complete me, run away. Because in, in, in premarital counseling, I always say this, none of your spouse, your spouse will never complete you. If you expect that, you are failing even before you got started. Because the only person that can fulfill and complete you is Jesus. Come on, I say the only person that can fulfill and complete you is Jesus. If you're looking for that from another person, you'll be so sorry. There are people that are looking for that kind of fulfillment from the pastor. Oh my goodness, they're looking for that kind of fulfillment from their spouse, their husband and wife, and they ended up getting so disappointed and they bring tension to the relationship. And, 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 and at the end, really, it's, it's really unhealthy. Then people who are obsessive, watch this, they tend to be possessive. So when a person says your life completes his, you better run, man, because he could be so obsessed with you. He could be so jealous about the relationship. He'll be very jealous, you know. he get angry easily. He'll be full of rage, you know. And don't be surprised he'll come after you if you decide, oh, this is not for me anymore. He'll come after you with a machete or something like that, you know. So when a person says, oh, you know, you complete me, run, you know, run. This is obsessive. And your obsession had led to a lot of crazy things, you know. Obsession is not, obsession love is not only unhealthy for relationship, but for anything, you know, including ministry. I'll tell you this, you know, there's a, I, I, I preached this preach before a um, few months ago, you know. I see a lot of Christians said that, oh, they, they, the priority is God first, family second, and ministry third. Have you heard that before? That's a lie, right? You can't find it in the Bible. Nowhere. Nowhere. I give you a million dollars, you can find it. <laughs> now I'm worried. <laughs> no, it's true, it's true. I, I check it, double, triple check it already. Okay? There's no such thing as God first, family second, ministry third. People say that it's because they don't want to be involved in ministry. And they say, it's God and me, you know, and then my family. You know, this just words, right? Just words. You cannot say you love somebody without any action. The Bible, when it talks about faith, is that you cannot say, I love you, brother, and see the brother go cold without giving him a code. That's just empty words. You can't say, I love God, and no, don't serve him. That's, that's just illogical. It's just, you know, we're going to talk about it. It's, it's actually emotional kind of thing, emotional kind of expression. It's, it's not the love that God is looking for. You can't say you love God and don't want to serve him because you have family. What, if your family don't serve God, you don't serve God either? If your family decides, oh, I don't want to serve God, I want, I, want to go, I want to stay at home and go to ski on Sunday, whatever, and that's good. No, that's not good. That's not the word. Right? If you love God, then love God. And God, the priority of Christian is God, God, God. You love your home because of God. You serve because you're God. You go to work because of God. That's no, there's no category. And I know a lot of my good friends, you know, in, 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 the, in, in the kingdom, you know, they, they say this. I used to say this too. And then one day the Holy Spirit said, where is it in the Word? Nowhere. But anyways, having said that, okay, I have known ministers and pastors to be very obsessed with their ministry to the point of being totally unhealthy and they ignore their family, they ignore the home responsibility, they ignore everything else except just one thing, ministry. And because of that, they had broken relationship. Some people are obsessed with their careers. Some people are obsessed with their hobbies. Some people are obsessed with different things. But friends, may I encourage you 
to be careful not to be obsessed with anything because it's not healthy. You want to love God. You want to worship God. You want to honor Him. You want to love people, but never, never being obsessive, okay? It leads to hurts and even violence. It's often very destructive, even this for passion and career and hobbies and ministry. Now, the sixth one, and I'm going to talk about this, and then I'm going to focus on the seventh one, okay? The next one is pragma. Pragma is the love, it spells P-R-A-G-M-A. Some of you Greek-speaking people, you know, you can actually shout it out if I pronounce it prop, in, improperly, right? Pragma is a love that has aged, matured, and developed over time. Everybody say, everybody say over time. This kind of love, you can't develop overnight. You can't say, I have pragma for you when, the, when you first see the girl, right? That's, that's eros. That's infatuation, right? Oh, I pray. No, pragma develops over time. It's a kind of relationship between husband and wife that has stuck together for years. And that not only they stuck together, they have not only accepted each other characters, but you know what they do? They now appreciate what they used to get upset with. So when you stay in a long relationship, a pragmatic relationship between husband and wife, the longer you stay, the longer you appreciate that person, even though some of the things that you now appreciate was something that upset you when you were much younger. And, you know, um, as I grow older, you know, yesterday my wife uh, went to the women's retreat with a lot of ladies and uh, so I was uh, at home by myself, had to take care of the home myself. I didn't cook anything for the kids. They had to fend for themselves. Shandai, right? <laughs> I always came home and was like, did they have vegetables? I said, come on, honey, it's just only one day. Oh, boy, she gave me a hard time for one day not having vegetables. Come on, you know. So, uh, you know, when I was, when I was home, I, I actually missed my wife. I missed her diligence and her vigilance about you know, our children's health, you know. And she's very meticulous to the point that sometimes it just make me go bonko, right? It's like, honey, just leave them alone. It's just one day. Just, just one meal. Just, just don't. But she's very vigilant. She's very diligent in taking care of the meal. And so I, so I, was, I was thinking yesterday, you know, while she was at her home, you know, just having a good time with the ladies, you know. I was like, oh, I miss my wife. We have meatloaf, leftover meatloaf from the day before. For lunch, actually, actually, just a secret, okay? The kids have meatloaf left over. I went to a restaurant. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, it's a brother that wanted to take me out for lunch, so it would not be very nice of me to impose the whole family on him, you know what I'm saying? So, so, you know, I, I, even though he made good money, but I, I, I never want to presume anything. So, you know, the kids had to fend for themselves. You know, they had meatloaf, you know. And in the evening, I just didn't know what to do. I just, you know, 8.30, I still didn't have any food on the table. So I decided I'd go look for, in the freezer, look for some pizza to, to make. So we had pizza for dinner. Oh, I miss my wife. So, you know, as you begin to grow older, some of the things that, you know, you didn't like, you, you kind of overlook and you kind of you got used to it or you overlook, but now you just focus on all the things that you appreciate, including some things that you didn't even like. You begin to focus on that. That only can happen if you're married for 20, 30 years. 
you know. And uh, so that's pragmatic love, which is, which is really a powerful type of love, you know. And um, the, the, the last one I want to talk about today so that we can set it up for next week. And you got to be here next week. If you're here to, you got to be here next week. You know, the experience of sitting in the house of God is different from watching at home, right? I'm telling the truth. You can see how handsome I am. I always say that. I'm sorry. But, you know, you, you can actually experience, take it fully because what the presence of God is here. The Holy Spirit is working. And when I speak, you know, you're just in the presence of God. It's really powerful, you know. So I want to encourage you. So next week we're going to talk about, the, you know, we're going, to lead, we're going to talk about this to lead up to the, to the agape love or the agape beyond, okay. So watch this. Now, the next one is philia. Philia is the second most mentioned love in the New Testament. And it's often being confused with agape by many Christians, including the Apostle Peter. So it's often involves in the feelings of loyalty among friends, camaraderie among teammates, or a sense of sacrifice for your pack. It's a love that often gets confused with agape by believers. And for example, you know, you can put up uh, uh, John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus said, now a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I loved you that you also love one another. See, this is a commandment from Jesus. But if you look at the Greek word, the verb here is agapio. Agape is noun and verb is agapio, right? If you agape one another. But most Christians, if you listen to the conversation about how they practice this, you know that they really don't understand what Jesus is talking about. You know that they're actually talking about philia. Many Christians confuse their worship experience uh, uh, between agape and philia, the, the love they express for Jesus, you know, uh, 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 some, of the, some of the songs we sing, you know, oh, I feel you, Lord, I feel your presence, I love you so much, deep down in my heart, you know, blah, blah, and you listen to the way they talk, and even when there are emo- there's emotion involved, tears coming down, yes, sometimes it's the work of the Holy Spirit. I, 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 will, I would propose to you that most of the time it's an emotional philia kind of expression to the Lord. It's nothing wrong with that but just bear in mind that it is not agape it is kind of an expression of your affection to God and we human being needs expression that's why we express you know to the Lord with without affection you know God I just love you and we involve emotion because it's really powerful when you involve your emotion you know and so and if you listen to some of the testimonies of Christian you know about how they love Jesus you know that they're not talking about agape you know they're talking about their affection for God they love God so much they say his presence and they feel like they're being held by the Lord you know and they're being hugged by the Lord and and they cry this is this is philia it's not affection it is philia so so but but you know but it's nothing wrong with it it's really powerful because philia had caused many people to actually abandon their life and follow Jesus and become missionary and even martyr for the Lord even Peter the apostle apostle Peter I talk talk about it is that he didn't really understand the difference between the two and he was filled with the Holy Spirit because agape love, if you learn, as you will learn next week, you cannot do it on your own. You cannot express it. You cannot exercise it with your own strength and emotion. It's actually all spirit-based. But you don't let me not jump the gun. But you know, a lot of Christians don't understand that. So even Peter didn't understand that. Remember, recall in the book of John, verse 20, uh, chapter 21. Go ahead and turn to it from uh, verse 15. The Bible says, you know, remember the story that Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. And he got trouble when Jesus kept asking. 
But most people don't understand the conversation. So if I go into the Greek language, not entirely Greek, but you know, just a word or two, you understand why there is a disconnect. Because why would Jesus want to ask three times if Peter was so troubled? And this is the reason why. So uh, after Jesus rose from the dead, you know, and Peter, you know, uh, found Jesus, you know, and they were so excited and, and they, they ran to Jesus. Jesus had a meal prepared for them and, and it, was, it was fish and amazing food. And so they ate it, had a great time, had a great time of eating and fellowshipping, you know. And then Jesus said this to, Jesus said this to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you... Agapio me more than these, what we are enjoying. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I filial you. So he's not really answering Jesus' question. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Second time. 16. And Jesus said to him again, second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agapio me? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know, I feel you. So this guy is not answering the question. He's just, he's just doing the best he could because he was not being filled with the Holy Spirit as yet. The Holy Spirit is yet to come. And since agape is actually a spirit-based love, you cannot do it without the Holy Spirit, he couldn't understand. And then Jesus finally came to his level to communicate with him. You know that God is so faithful. In verse 17, you will see that this is not only the only time, but often God will come to the place where we're at to bring us to the place where he's at. So Jesus now went down one level of love to explain, to now say, son of they, uh, son, uh, uh, Simon, son of Jonah, do you filial me? Now they're synchronizing. Peter was grieved because he said to him, uh, the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I filial you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus went down to his level because he didn't understand agape. Many Christians don't. And it's fine because it's good with Jesus even if you love him with filio or filia. And it's fine. And I'm not judging people. I'm not saying it's no good. Your worship, your worship is powerful. Even if you worship with filia, with your affection. Better than some people just don't worship at all. They just stand there like a log. Hallelujah. I'm not judging, by the way. Don't get mad, please. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know, when you worship God, I'll tell you this. When you worship God and you worship with all your heart, everything that you know how, you pour to Him, your hour and a half here will be radically, vastly different than if you would just stand there and observe. Nothing wrong with observe. It's good to observe, to learn, to learn, to grow. But it's good. But you know, if you put yourself in a place of worship, God will begin to open up heaven before you. And when you listen to sermon, it's quite different. I actually could say the same thing to people that haven't really had the worship experience with the affection before God or even agape experience. And that I could say the same sermon to the people that have. I tell they both will receive differently. If you want to receive more from the hour that you spend listening to me or the hour, the half an hour that you spend listening to me, I want to encourage you. I want to invite you to go and worship God with the affection. If you don't know what the gap is, start with affection. That's the best place to start is to show your affection to God. 
and show the same affection to the brothers and sisters. Because if that's all you know, that's the best you can do. That's good for God. And Jesus received that and accepted that love from Peter. And so he will too receive and accept that love from you. Next week, we'll show you the next step that God wants you to go. Because there is a next step. You say, you know, people ask, is, it, is Philia really the step before Agape? Yes, it is. Because Peter says so. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, now he has a revelation of Agape. And so now he's beginning to teach people about it so he says since you have purified your souls it's really interesting he didn't say purify your spirit have you noticed that for the people in the first service I, I, I forgot to mention this but it's to your bonus okay when you get saved when you get saved when you receive Jesus as your personal Savior say oh Lord I receive you as my personal Savior and you are born again and it's free. That's free, right? You're born again. Your spirit at that very moment become perfect. There's nothing you can do to cause the spirit to go backwards. Nothing. It's perfect. They say, what about people that denounce Christ after they become Christians? Well, I don't know if they truly had had the born again experience. They may have the emotional experience, but the spirit once is born again, Hebrews tells us it's impossible for them to turn back. It's impossible. So your spirit then is perfect. It's so pure. It's so holy. Now the problem is that when we got born again, only our spirit's being renewed because that's the most important part of us. That's the essence of us. That's who we are. But our soul, memory, emotion, and the rest, they haven't got renewed. You still remember the sins of yesterday. The Bible says, God, forget about your sin, but yet you still remember it. And that you're not perfect. You still get angry. You know, people cut you off. You want to cuss them. You want to give them the middle finger. And you watch around, make sure nobody sees you. And then you give them. No, I didn't do that. Okay, I'm just saying, you know, hypothetically speaking, right? And, you know, you still have a lot of emotional problems. You still, you know, struggling with sin. You're struggling with this. That's, that's your soul. And your body, you know, if you're sick, a lot of you still feel sick. Nothing changed, you know. And, you know, when, you, when you're my age, you start to see wrinkle, you know. I, I try to stop that. You know, I try to slow aging. I do. I try to slow aging. But, you know, it's going to come anyways. But praise God. You know, so, so the, the body is still the same. It's still growing older as it is. As Paul says, you know, the inward man is renewed day by day. But your outward man is decaying every day. It's still decaying. But your spirit man is pure. Now, in the church, we're teaching people how they could be holy, i.e. sanctify. That's, that's sanctify, the sanctification process. That is not for your spirit. Because if your spirit needs to be sanctified, how long does it take? Oh, I don't know, maybe 10 years. Well, what about the people that just got killed after they got saved? They didn't get a chance to get sanctified. What? What happened to them? Right? I mean, if you can't, I always, when I was a youth, I always say, you know, you, you better, you know, if you give your life to Jesus and you get run over by a Mack truck, you know, tomorrow, you know, Mack truck used to be, it's too big, you know, you, you'll go to heaven. But if you, if you don't have any pro, time for sanctification, what's the use? You still go to hell. But yet, we believe that people who got born again and saved, even though they're still struggling with different sins, when they die, they go to heaven immediately, if they, even if they have not worked out the sanctification, as it were, being holy. Because the sanctification is not for your spirit. 
the purifying of, of you by, by the blood of Jesus, the process of sanctification, if you may, sorry to be so theologically deep, the process of sanctification is for your soul. Turn to your neighbor and say, your soul. So which means your emotion, God wants to deal with all your memories, your habits, your hobbies, or whatever. It doesn't mean that your spirit is not perfect because Paul the Apostle said that we are as he is right now. Pure, righteous, and holy. There's nothing you can do about it. But our soul is struggling. We still have emotions. We get angry easily, you know. We still, you know, we still, we still get tempted and different things, you know. But, but that is the soul that God wants to purify. That's why he says soul here. He's not talking about purify your spirit. Your spirit cannot be any more purified than what it is now. In the eyes of God, under the blood of Jesus, you are perfect. You don't believe me. <laughs> That's a very hesitant agreement. Come on, I say you are perfect in the eyes of God. You can't earn it. No, sorry, you can't. It's done. But it's your soul. It's the things that you remember you did. Oh, you're so shameful of it. That God wants to purify you. Amen. So having have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit of sincere philia. So you have to have philia. That's what they had of the brethren. You love their brother with affection love. Then you go to the next level. Agapio, one another, fervently with a pure heart. So there is a step, you see, between agape, between philia and agape. Peter may not have had the revelation of agape, but this philia love is nevertheless very powerful because that love that he had for Jesus caused him to want to say, God, you know, I will die with you. Even though he couldn't carry it out because, you know, he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit yet. He was just using his emotion. But his emotions still very determined to follow Jesus. They, he left everything to follow Jesus. And so did all the disciples, including Thomas. You know, one time, you know, you know Thomas said, let's go die together with Jesus. You know, so noble. But it was their filial emotional love that they had for Jesus. Their love for Jesus was so incredible that they're willing to die for Jesus. And while agape for Jesus is what we ought to pursue, agape for one another is what we ought to pursue, the affectionate love for Jesus is nevertheless, listen, very, very, very potent and powerful. It has driven many people to leave all that they had to become missionaries, as I say, martyrs, and then had gone to great lengths to see the gospel preached because of this affection they have for God. I want to encourage you this morning that while you may not have the revelation that needs a supernatural power. Need the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. You can begin, as Peter says, with philia. Purify your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit of sincere philia of the brethren. Start there. 